Podcast is proud to announce a very different kind of dating game show. From the makers of The Next Wrong Thing, and It's Good to Be Bad, comes The 13th Step, an ill-advised and extremely inappropriate experiment recovery romance. The show pits the wits of one lonely and acutely horny old-timer who has more than five years of recovery to three insecure and vulnerable newcomers with less than 30 days of sobriety. And the only requirements are a desire to stop drinking or using and the willingness to make the worst decision of their lives. If you experience joy from someone else's pain, then you'll love the 13th step. Watch as these contestants go from lusty infatuation to crushing incarceration. Tune into this train wreck coming in the spring of 2019 on Viceland. Probably in a 4 a.m. slot. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave, and I'm with my beautiful, vivacious, and brilliant... I hate the term partner, though. I don't like that term. Um, <clears throat> friend with benefits? No. My my partner, my fiancé... Love my, of your life. The love of my life, Linda. How are you this morning, Linda? I'm good. Happy Halloween. Today is Halloween. Um, I really like to play the Monster Mash, so I'm going to play it at some point. Maybe I played it already, but I'll play it by the end. Do it. What do you have to say? Um, I was just thinking about some of my past costumes for Halloween, and I just remembered that one year I was an enema nurse. That's great. Yeah. What did you do for that? I carried a turkey baster, and I was covered in shit. Really? Not real shit. What did you use for the shit? Um, I think like a brown Sharpie. So you just colored <laughs> yourself brown with a marker. I got a nurse's costume and I decided to be... Was it some uh, sort of slutty nurse It was thing? me and Solvi. We were... Yeah, slutty and Slutty some, something yeah. together. And uh, yeah, so I just was remembering that costume. And this year for Halloween, Linda, <laughs> Linda bought this retarded taco hat and she said it was going to be that... Uh, she was going to be the Nacho Mama... And not then, the, just Nacho Mama. As in, she's not your mama, yeah. but, but she wrote Mama Nacho on the hat I wrote instead. it backward, because I think I did it in the mirror. No, it would have been backwards handwriting <laughs> if it was in the mirror. But that's funny. Um, see how much you've changed from a slutty enema nurse to, to the... Nacho Mama. Nacho Mama. Mm. Um, and I've been sick lately. Yes. Um, I got sick last weekend, and to be totally transparent and truthful to the dopey nation when i get sick i take nyquil and when i and i take mm-hmm. nyquil uh because i feel like my sickness is always related he looks a little forward to his nyquil i think wasn't this a past episode where you guys discussed how you took too much of a medicine and peed the bed yeah right. yeah it was nyquil um I don't take night. You you can attest that I don't take Nyquil often. But when you when you feel sick, you get a little too anxious to get in the car and go to the store to buy some Nyquil. I think. 
And I also think you, you take a little more than just the capful. No, I take the capful. You take like half the bottle. No, I do. Linda, do I'm not. I'm sorry. Is this it's, bad? It's shit? not true. <laughs> Be honest. It, I feel like you maybe take like a cap and a half. Maybe I take a cap. Okay. And a half. Well, so that's but, not a. But the usually, right of- usually I take a capful. But anyway, one thing that happens to me, it's like I get sick. I think the number one reason that I get sick is because I don't sleep enough. I get really run down. Right. You get exhausted. And, and I go to sleep at, you know, midnight, and I wake up at five thirty. And then I run to work and I worry about dopey and I worry about uh, stuff for work and I worry about stuff for home and it's just, I get exhausted. So when I get sick, my body shuts down and I take NyQuil for a few days. I take NyQuil a little bit longer than I should. But one thing that happens when I take NyQuil, and I don't think I ever told you about this, is I have... Besides peeing the bed. I only did that once. I'm 40, <laughs> that, we, that we know of. Um, what you're making? You're that making, just ha- I knew because it happened like practically on top of me. <laughs> I, you know, you were a very good partner for when it happened, <laughs> and now you're going to tell the audience I drink half a bottle of Nyquil, which isn't true, and that I often you pee ur- the bed. You urinate. I the often bed. urinate. Just can you please be truthful about this stuff? You've only urinated in the bed once that I know of, and, and when, you take. Mm, Maybe a little over a cap of night. A tiny bit. Tiny bit. Anyway, the thing that happens that I don't think I ever told you about with NyQuil is that I have drug dreams every night on mm-hmm. NyQuil. But the other thing, and it's kind of weird, is I have dreams. Uh, I've often had dreams about my mother when I mm. take NyQuil. Um, and last night I had a dream about Chris. Um did you take NyQuil last Yeah, night? I took NyQuil. But why? You're not sick anymore. Well, I'm still run down. I just wanted to make sure I got like I'm 10 hours sure of sleep. I'm not sure that NyQuil's for being run down, though. It I just ensures... That, I don't think that's on the on the label. Sneezing, coughing, headache, run down. I don't Sneezy, know. coughing, headache, runny nose. Right, runny nose, There's some not sort run of, down. some sort of head feeling. So you, so okay. you can rest medicine. Listen, <laughs> I didn't feel great. All right, so back to Chris. You the point you had is, a- I... Um, so I took a, my capful of NyQuil just to finish out the sickness. To make right, I went to no, bed at 10 and I woke up and at 7. And that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Does it? Sure. You say no? Listen, it might not be the right thing to do. Lots of, Bob Forrest says never take NyQuil. You know, lots of people... I, I can't advocate taking NyQuil. I just wanted to get back to 100%, right. so I wanted a lot of sleep. Okay. You know, whatever. Yeah, I'm not perfect. And you take Benadryl sometimes, too. I haven't taken Benadryl in a while. <laughs> But I, the point is that I had a dream. You had a dream about Chris. But he was dead in the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, we got into like an argument about what had happened to him. And. Um, wow. And then Nora, Nora woke us up in the middle of the night right. during, the, during my conversation with Chris. Right. So I was really mad. Um, and then well, I, it's your fault that she woke up during the night because Dave thinks that Lord of the Rings is an appropriate movie for a easily scared eight-year-old girl. So she had a dream during the night that there was a dead troll on her floor. Is that what the dream yes. was? Yes. She no woke way. up and said she thought she saw a dead troll on her, or troll or elf on <laughs> her floor and came running in. And I sleep with a big pillow on my head and Dave sleeps like under his blankets like in a cocoon. So she looked in our room and thought we were missing and and freaked out. What did she do? She ran all around the house screaming our name. And then what happened? And then she came in our room and, and woke me up and then I woke you up and said, go to bed with her because it's your fault. Because she got scared. It's the Lord of the Rings. I went to bed with her and I said... 
I said, maybe we shouldn't watch Lord of the Rings anymore. And she said, no, Daddy, we shouldn't watch Lord of the Rings at, at, at Halloween. Or That's at night. She, and she said at night. She said at night? Yes. It's funny, guys, Dopey Nation, because Dopey Nation knows that I love the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like, if I get sick, I, I watch Lord of the Rings, which is, is what I did this last weekend. Right. And, uh, and you dragged no- Nora into it. Nora time. loved it. She even said at the table last night that it was like she her did, favorite but I, movie. I mean, but it, it stays with you. And there's some, there's some, there's a creepy factor to it. And it's good, but there's definitely this creepy, creepy factor to it that I get why that would scare a little kid. I think the creepy factor is if you are a little kid and you're not used to like the supernatural or whatever. Right. Like it's, it's a world like, like it's I love. It's a different, it's just this weird alternate world. And we watched, we were watching the second one and right before bed, Gollum was guiding oh, Frodo and Sam to Mordor in the 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 bog, and the bog is full of the dead people yeah, under I mean, the water. And I said, Nora, this part is kind of scary. And she said, That's not scary, Daddy. Mm-hmm. And then and she then at wakes, three in the morning, yeah, yeah, that's funny. It becomes real. But anyway, so I was I was you know it was I love, and I I will not take Nyquil tonight, and I will not like be about Nyquil. But it's interesting that um, I connect with dead people uh, right, when I take NyQuil, NyQuil in my dreams. And it was like, it was very cool to be with Chris uh, mm-hmm. last night in the right. dream, like to talk to him about, um, you know, about what he had done. And, uh, and, and, and my dreams with my mom are always like, right. it's just like, because you never see these people, you know, and then you see them in the dream. Um, but I went to a meeting this morning, and I was driving back from the meeting, and I was thinking about Chris, you know, and I think about Chris all the time. Um, and I was thinking about um, when we went to do the Artie Lang show. Right. And um, he met me outside of Penn Station, and we were going to go catch a bus at uh, Port Authority to go to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And Chris just looked like shit. Mm. You know, he looked terrible. Right. He was wearing sweatpants and, like, like a green. You thought he was probably run down and tired. I couldn't for the life, even though everything had happened, right. I couldn't imagine that he was using. And right. like he was so obviously using. He just looked like shit. You know, and he and I just I was thinking about it driving home from the meeting today, just like how much he probably wanted to tell me. Right. You know, what he had done. Did you ask him why he looked yeah, well, he, he had told you're, me. You're very direct with that kind of I stuff. I said, you look like shit, and he, like, laughed. What he said? Be- well, he had been saying for days that he was run down, he had hurt his leg, he couldn't sleep, right. he, he was running back and forth from Boston to the Hamptons, from the Hamptons back to Boston, and then he decided to come do the Artie Lang episode, and he looked like garbage, and right. Chris, Chris didn't look like that. You know what I mean? He was like, pretty put together. In his sobriety. Part, right. But, um, and then we were going out to... To, to Hoboken, and I was like giddy, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and he was making fun of me, you know, and he was, and, but he was just not himself. And you remember we called you, yeah, you know, did we talk about that the last time you were on the show? A little bit, but just just that we we were teasing you about how excited you were for Artie Lang because Chris didn't seem like I don't think well Chris said he didn't really Chris said he didn't really know. Artie Lang very much or, or care about him. Like, he wasn't a big fan of his. Not that he didn't like him, but that it wasn't... He wasn't an, a Howard Stern person. He wasn't an Artie Lang person. But so also, he wasn't... He was, like, into it and made sure he came, but he wasn't, like, how you are. He, he wasn't, wasn't going to come, 
But he, you also said that he sounded like a dick when you were on the phone with him. Remember? Well, he was he was he was nice to me, but he was definitely railing railing on you a bit more than he normally did when you were on he, the phone with him. Is what I'm saying. He, yeah. I mean, I don't know. He, we were we were just kind of commiserating about how you're out of control with your obsession with Artie. My obsession, my obsession with Artie is like, you know, I heard from him last weekend. Right. Um, he wrote me and he said that he's scared he's going to jail um, because he keeps testing positive. And he said that um, he wants to come on the show and I shouldn't give up in my obsession with him. It's so annoying. It's so weird. Like, why? Why do you say that? That he wants you to, like, pursue him. Like, he needs that feeling of being pursued by He said you. I make him feel relevant. Right. I mean, it's... Funny. What is that? But I text him, like, way well, too cause much. Well, because he's human, and I guess, you know, maybe you're one of the few people who are just still actively trying to engage him and help him and reach out to him. You know, he has his profession... You know, he has his professional people who he needs to relate to, but you, you know, you care about him. I think... It seems do. like you do, and I and I'm sure he feels that you care about him. He does. He so said he that doesn't too. want that to stop. He said, "I text more than a broad on blow," is what he said. Um, but so, how did that make you feel? Sad, but also very good. <laughs> um, I laughed. You know, it's one of those things. Like, but I literally text Artie every day, like obsessively. Right. And um, and and Dr. Drew's wife was like, I'm trying to get people to come on the show. So I talked to Dr. Drew's wife to get connections. And mm-hmm. she gave me Andy Dick's connection. Yeah, that, would, that would be a great interview. So I texted Andy Dick, and he said he would come on last week. And then silence right. disappeared. And then I, he, she said, well, do you ever text Artie? And I said, I text Artie every day. <laughs> and she assumed that I, I meant he texts me back. And she's right. like, oh, do you think he could come on the show? And I said, no, I text him every day. He texts back every 55 days, <laughs> right. which I thought was so funny. Anyway, I just, I was thinking about Chris driving back from the meeting. And like, I got, I like got teary eyed because. But what were you thinking that, that were you feeling badly that you didn't push more because of how he looked? Yeah, I, I was feeling very, very badly. That I didn't know. That so he you're w- still you're still holding on to feeling like you should have done like the should have like I should have done this I should have done that Not I should have done this. I, it just it was so obvious in, right. in retrospect, and it's and it's like dopey like you know dopey's doing so well. People mm. are listening. People are engaged, mm. and like you know, I think it has a lot to do with him dying. Like I think it galvanized the dopey nation. And uh, and I would of course trade that all back just to of do course. it the way we used to and to have Chris be alive. Um, so why do you think it's sort of skyrocketed since he passed? But because it's just made it that much more real, or because? Well, I think that I'm an amazing producer. Besides that, and I think that the shows that I've managed to concoct <laughs> are just like out of control, right. great. So it's just all because of because of my greatness. How talented you are? Yeah, it's my talent. No, my theory is that. There were thousands of people listening to Dopey on and off, right. you know, for the years that we were doing it. Mm-hmm. And there was a core Dopey Nation following that listened to everyone no matter what. Um, and then when we got Artie on the show, I think it galvanized this big percentage of people who had listened here or there. They're like, holy shit, they did it. Right. And they tuned in to listen to Artie, which was like this big 
swelling of of fans. You could see it on Facebook. Sure. You could see it in downloads. It was this big galvanization of fans. And then, um, you know, the three weeks after that, I think Chris died four weeks after the Artie episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still there, but it was kind of ebbing and flowing. And then when Chris died, it was an even bigger wave of all of the people that listened to the show came back. Right. You know what I mean? So if you had like a smattering of people listening to all these other episodes, mm-hmm. when they heard that Chris died, they wanted to hear what happened to right. him. You know, because Chris really spoke to um, the people, I think in, in a way that I didn't. You know, I think sure. that, uh, that, that, you know, Chris's stories were way crazier than mine. And Chris is younger than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was a certain, like, Chris was way more likable than I am. You know, I think there's a certain, like, thing. And then, and Chris was also such a babe-in-the-woods guy. Well, I also, people also say a lot that his knowledge was so interesting. You know, that he knew all about the... Like, you mentioned in your um, the speech that you read that he knew about medications. He knew about... He knew about everything. He knew, I mean, but, and that's so interesting, you know, it's such interesting stuff. It's in, and he was able to relate it to the stories. And when he would tell his stories, he'd have like a technical piece and he knew the clinical side. I mean, that just makes for good drug stories. But also he was super smart. He was on his way to having this, you know, degree. And um, I always he was said- in school. So he was bringing his like education into the into the podcast. And I don't know, he he was very fun to listen to because he brought in that piece but he's also funny he loved you you guys you know he the way he laughed at everything you said was intoxicating to hear yeah because i don't do that for you as much as you need no the technical the thing about the show (laughs) was that um i always likened it to like a sports thing where i was the play-by-play guy and chris was the analyst like he would break down what happened through uh the analytics of the the technical thing or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and I and I would be like the play by play guy, um, which but, I loved. But why? But what you were talking about about why the downloads have increased so much since he he passed away, um, is just just the fact that the co host overdosed is just so mind blowing. You know that you guys were ha- have this podcast about. Recovery and and then he actually succumbed to addiction. Dies as you know, um, it's I you still don't even know what to, to to say about it, you know. And, it, and so it makes sense that it almost makes people so much closer to the podcast. Um, they want to take care of it and care for it and nurture it and 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 you know because it. I don't know. I don't know. So you don't think it's just because I'm so great. <laughs> I think it's that too. No, I think that people. This is what I think. Whenever there's a, a tragedy, it brings it. It does bring people together. No, you're totally which right. Which is what I'm trying to say. It, it did, and I think that, you know, I think that I feel a lot of pressure to make Dopey as good as it could possibly be. You know, every week. You know, and I try to bring in, and and I think that in lieu of Chris not being alive. I try to bring in bits. I right. try to bring in songs. I try to get pre-produced pieces. I it's try to changed. get. It's changed. It's changing. It's evolving. It's... You don't listen to it. What do you fucking know about it? <laughs> well, I, I I read what other people are saying on Facebook. And what and what and what? You, let's let's move on past this stuff because this is. I think you're ruining the show. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you're you're in a long line of people who come on to ruin the show. As grateful as I am to have you, and you look incredibly beautiful. 
and I love you incredibly much. I'm just saying that it's it's changing from what I hear. What are you hearing? Um, Here we but, go. But that it's in a good in a in a good direction. Not at all the takeaway from what it was, obviously, but that um, you know you're you are produce you're doing more production stuff. You know you're. Um, it's just it's it's changing, and I think that it sh- it has to change. What else? What, what's the alternative? You can't you can't recreate what that you know, right. what you had with Chris. I think getting a co-host right away would be would be weird because he's irreplaceable. So I think that you're what you're doing now is interesting. Seems like people are enjoying it. I'm sure you'll get more feedback moving along, and the let's dream, not talk about it anymore because the dream. Let's move on. The dream is to have. Um, a lot of money and have it be sort of a panel show like Bill The Maher. dream is for you to get a lot of money. The dream is to get a lot of money. <laughs> now, I had Linda back on the show because everybody... Moving on. Everybody... Moving on. Everybody loved Linda, right? Right, Lynn? Didn't you love all of the incredible feedback? It was very nice. You have, that's all you have to say about it? all the bullshit to say? You have all the bullshit to say about the new version of the show when you only listen to the one with you. you Linda's <laughs> listened to the one with her. Well, I had to She's make listened, sure I didn't sound like a total asshole. She listened to the one with Artie Lang. She listened to the one with Dr. Drew. I listened she, to the one with um, the guy from Jackass. Brand, which one? The first Brand, one or the second Brand, one? The first one. Right. And she listened to which the first good. one with my dad. That's the only episodes of Dopey she's ever heard. So there might have been a few more. No, I, I don't can't, think I so. Can't, I can't remember. Um, but Linda loved hearing Dave, about how I good live she with was. you. We talk all the time. I don't want to sit on my, my, my precious free time when the baby is sleeping and then listen to you more. It's torture. I understand. Thank you. Now, I had... This my, is already a very difficult way to spend my nap. I my had, nap time. Yeah, the baby's asleep. The baby's napping. And I, I'm, I just wanted Linda to come on and she had some more stories to tell. So why don't you tell some more stories of addiction and dumb shit? Well, the one story we were going to, that could have been fun to share last time, but we didn't, we didn't, you know, it was too much, um, was when we decided to uh, make it work and get back together and go on a little family holiday um, to take our daughter to Dutch Wonderland, which is up in In Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And... um, I have this weird thing where I like to st- find strange places to stay just to torture my my peeps. So I found... Um, you did that before me, too? What? You would go on vacations to horrible places to torture former partners? Probably, yeah. All right, continue. So I found a farm for us to stay at. It was a Mennonite farm um, that was maybe an... Makes me feel much less special, <laughs> by the way, to hear that. That was maybe... Um, a half hour from Dutch Wonderland, maybe an hour, half hour, whatever. It was in like kind of I in think the it Lancaster. Was 40, it was forty minutes area. It was forty minutes. So anyway, we pull up and it had it had electricity, but it was very very minimal, and the whole place was filled with dolls and what else? Help me explain this. It was a fucked up old farmhouse house. Um, and it was like an old, like 150-year-old house. There were like these spooky dolls everywhere. There spooky were dolls. books. There were weird farm tools. And there were no me- TV. Well, no TV. The, no. the thing was, there's no TV. There was like little, you know, not candles, but like little lights that look like candles. Very little electricity, you know. Um, it was a farm. It was a Mennonite farm. So 
Um, it wasn't to the extreme of Amish. It was like a little step. It was low. like a bed and breakfast and a bunch of different families. A working come. farm. So part of the, the thrill was that you got to go out and like milk the cows and collect the eggs. And then she makes this, this, this breakfast. Remember they, she made shoe fly pie. And we were with all these other families from like different parts of the country. And Dave, you remember you started singing "Shoe Fly." No, I said, me? "Is that what? Is that me? what the song? Is that what the song was about? You know, the Shoe Fly song." Yeah. And um, and Linda and then said, you burst "No." It out in Linda said, "Well, do you want to sing the song?" So I said, "Okay." And I sang the song. And it was awkward because everyone just stared at you in silence. It was awkward. It was. So anyway, so Hold on, let me let me give a little more okay. backstory. Uh, I you had, should always start the stories because why? I start them, and then you real you realize I'm not doing that good of a job. You're doing so then fine. You, then you bring it back to the beginning and start it over anyway. Well, it's a, they so let's just always have you start from now on. Anyway, um, I was not in recovery. I had been trying to put our family. But I thought he was. You knew again, I was again. I thought you were sober. You knew that I was smoking. I think weed. we smoked weed together. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was smoking weed every day. Um, but Linda, it was naive to that idea. But I also were we back? I don't know if we were like back together at this point or not. No, we it, was, it was. We were taking no, like a it, test. It was test Linda's. Run. It was Linda's classic maneuver of saying we should go on a family vacation without being together, where we sleep in the same bed but we're not together. You know. And we play. We play house. Um. So well, it was my way to get to have my family and exp- and be all together. But also, I had that fear and that knowledge that you were not. You know you know good material to be a family man so it was my way to get to have that it's very sad actually you know it was like I got to have that but I also knew I I couldn't have more but I really I, I I knew it was weed I knew you were using weed and I was still you know I would smoke weed with you from time to time but I also didn't think that um you were clean I wasn't clean. Right. No, I know. I'm realizing. I'm remembering back now. I wasn't clean, but I wasn't shooting heroin. I wasn't doing dope. Right. I would do pills here and there, but I never mentioned that to you. I would do. Right. I, I didn't know. I that. took benzos here and there. I never mentioned it to Linda. I just thought that you smoked weed sometimes. I smoked pot every day. Right. We went on the trip, and I knew that Linda wasn't going to have a problem with me smoking pot at night, um, because right. she knew that I was smoking pot. Um, so we went to this farm, and I and I brought a bunch of bud. And and Linda stupidly on the ride out there says, "Yeah, I brought some Xanax just in case I can't sleep." And then my mind is like, "Okay, there's Xanax." You I, know. Well, I, I've always had something just for sleep because I have a hard time sleeping. I have to like blast if I can't blast crazy, crazy white noise, I can't sleep. And because we're at this weird Mennonite farm where they didn't have a fan for me, and she I also brought a bottle of wine, and we had to go buy. Little Dixie cup, so she could drink. I mean, she's got Linda's got Linda's <laughs> not, you know, not on the real up and up here. But at that point, she was taking pills anyway, to sleep. She was drinking a decent amount so every I, night. I brought some. I you brought were some, all right. So I brought some Xanax and I had it in my pocketbook that I was going to have at night because I knew I would not be able to sleep in this like crazy sod farm B and B. I think it was um, a soybean farm. Oh, it was soybean. Yeah. That's right. This so, might be the most boring episode of Dopey we've ever done. <laughs> anyway, I thought we weren't supposed to say that. I, I can say it once in a while. But continue, please. Okay. That is one of the rules, yes. So, um, 
to, to speed it up, uh, I woke up in the morning and Dave was outside with our daughter uh, collecting eggs and milking the cows and doing all the farm stuff. And I noticed that he had um, stole Xanax out of my pocketbook. And um, I went crazy. I got so upset. Um, because even though we knew you were smoking weed, Dave, it was still so, so many things were, were violated, like back, just brought me back. Like you stole from me, you know, you went into my pocketbook. You, I, you told me you weren't using any hard drugs. You lied about that. We were on a family vacation. You were, you know, with our daughter, you know, so, so it was just, it was, it was really, it was really bad. And um, I ran outside and confront, tried to confront him. And then also, you, when you're on vacation with your kid and we're going to Dutch Wonderland that day. You're supposed to have a good time. It's supposed to be <laughs> happy and fun. And, and it was very, very brutal trying to put on a good face, trying to put on a happy face for our daughter and still go and have fun. And I don't even, quite frankly, I don't even know how we, we managed and got through it. But you don't had, remember what happened? She freaked out. I think, did I lie at first? I might have lied at first. And then I said, I couldn't sleep. It was really scary and weird and like fucking, um, you know, I knew she had the pills. I was lying in bed. It was all quiet and creepy and I was taking pills here and there. I wasn't taking them every day, but the idea that there were pills in my room and Linda was on them and I couldn't take one. I was like, fuck that. So I, and Linda's out cold from the Xanax. So I'm going through her bag to find it. And, um, and I found it and I took, I think I took, she had these one milligram Xanax Mm -hmm. and she, and Linda's like, she would have a one milligram Xanax and she'd break it into eight pieces and take a fifth of the Xan of right. a one milligram yeah. piece. And like the way I was, I would. We still have to be responsible people with being on a family vacation. Well, years you ago, you never were like, you would never take lots of pills. I, I mean, like I used to take. I tried to. Pills, first of all, pills were never my thing. I don't enjoy the, I didn't enjoy the feeling of being like all like sleepy and drowsy and from a, from a benzo. I don't, I don't, that's not like a fun experience for me. I really, for the most part, always used it just to sleep or if I had a very like stressful social engagement for my social anxiety. Right. But you would take a tiny piece. Whereas like I used to go, I don't like that feeling. I would buy 40 and I would take 10 of them. You know, I I was like crazy. I, and I would, I would like just eat them, you know? And it's like, you, you talk about like. That's the thing with addicts. They don't say they take pills. They say they eat them. Yeah, you know what I mean? So and it's, it's like, right. I just eat Xanax. And I even like, I remember I used to buy Clonopin in the street and I would, I would chew it. I liked the taste of it. Oh, I took it God. so much. But right. so we're on that trip and I, and, I, and I took three of her footballs and I put two in the, in the top pocket of my backpack because I didn't want to worry about stealing the next night or the next night. Right. And I took one. And I wasn't taking Xanax that much, so I just passed out. And in the morning, she was mad, and I was like, and I, and then I was like, "What? I just I just took it, and I, I saved one for later, and blah blah blah." And I think I smacked you. Well, Linda got super mad, and it and it and Linda has issues with anger, and the anger built up and up, and she gets really carried away, like it multiplies in her head. And then we were like, we were on the way to Dutch Wonderland, and she was nothing. Nothing with my anger is is justified. What do you mean? You're saying that I have issues with anger. You do. Multiplies. You did something really, really fucking wrong. Listen, I know I did something really, really wrong. Funny that the way you just no, but I'm just thinking. I remember like 
we're driving there, and, and our daughter's like... I can't think of anything worse than that. Than what, than there's what a million you, worse things. To me, the whole picture of that scenario was so bad. On vacation, with our daughter, on a farm... Heading to Dutch Wonderland. If we were staying in like the downtown of a city, it would be our, it would be better than just, just the farm. It just aspect. magnified the horror of your behavior, and um, I don't know. So it was, it, and then also because there's always this piece of me when we'd go on our little our little family, well, in quotes, family trip, that it was that it it was going to be the trip that sort of brought us all back together. Like everything would just be perfect. That's what you would think. I always would think that. And then, like, these things would happen, and then it'd be like, all right, it was I still guess a good I'm trip, foolish though. for even... But we were driving after that happened. It was, like, the first day of the trip is the other thing. We got to the farm on, you know, the afternoon the night before, and we, we went to bed, and I, and I stole the pills, and, I, and it was the first day of the trip. You know, first morning, you're like, holy shit, he took the fucking pills. And I think... I, mean, was, I wish you would have even... I wonder how I would have responded if you had even just asked me. No, because then you... Uh, I just But I'm just saying, I wonder Can you now. give me a pill and you say no, and, and then I can't have it, and right. I'm in Right, so the, you knew if you asked, you would risk not getting it. Yeah, okay. so I wasn't going to do that. Uh, and then, like... And then you also would be on guard of me stealing it if I had asked for it. Right. I just needed to make sure I had it. You know, that was my move. Yeah. Anyway, so we're driving to Dutch Wonderland, and she's pissed... And she's Ugh, and such she's a horrible feeling. And she's getting angrier and angrier. And then I probably said well, something. I was trying to figure out like what to do. Like I couldn't get away from him. I couldn't leave. We're in the middle of freaking Amish country. We're heading to like, you know, our daughter's so psyched for Dutch one. Like I couldn't I didn't know I felt like I just wanted to like run. I was just so angry and I couldn't And I, and then we get to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> And, like, she's holding Nora in one hand, and she just fucking hits me with the other hand. She just... But no, Nora did not see any of this. No, Nora, like, was looking the other way, and you were like... Yeah, I would Psh! never... And she smacked me, and then I think that released a lot of the anger. And then, like, the anger kind of subsided, and then we went to Dutch Wonderland, and we had a good day. And you let me keep the other pill for that night, because you knew that it was, like, it was too late. You know mm. what I mean? And I took the ne- the pill the next night, and... It was like nothing. It was one milligram of Xanax. It was the principle. I could understand not being able to sleep there. Yeah. But it was the principle. Uh, that's why I was wondering if you had asked me what I would have done. But, I mean, you're right. I probably would have said no, and then you would have been... Crazy. Screwed. I would have been crazy. Screwed out of your drugs. I would have been just crazy. So then that happened, and like... But it was still a really good trip. We had a really nice time. We always have a really good time. And that's, what, that's, why, it was, that's why it was so horrible that that whole thing went down. All right, and we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break, and I'm going to play an amazing voicemail. You ready to hear an amazing voicemail? I am. It's from uh, the great Jeremy Turner and his buddy Buzz in uh, in the South. You ready? It's a good one. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Hey, Dave. Uh, just wanted to send this voicemail in. It's uh, you emailed me and was wondering if I had a, a over a fire overdose story. Now, I didn't overdose in this story, but I kind of hooked up a friend, and they ended up overdosing. Uh, my buddy Buzz. This is Buzz. Say hey, Buzz. Hey. What's his name? Dave. Dave. I'm Buzz. Uh, Buzz Wiles. Yeah, he's from Arkansas, but we won't hold it against him. Uh, and my name is Buzz. Uh, Buzz Lightyear. Anyways, so he calls me up. I'm working in the fleet down in Baton Rouge, and he calls me up. He's like, hey, man, we're going to wire you some money. Can you give me some H? 
I said, sure. So in Baton Rouge, I've got to go all the way into the jungle. I'm talking about deep in the heart of the ghetto. All right. Me and my buddy go. We're in traffic. We go get the money. Then we go get this H. I tried it out, and it was fire. I knew it because I don't do heroin, and so I did a very little bit. So we get out to the river where his boat is coming through the fleet that I worked in. Okay, so he drops his little skiff, his little his little John boat. He comes to the bank, and I tell him, "Look, man, this dope is it's it's fire. Proceed with caution." So he goes, "Man, can I get in your car and shoot up?" I'm like, "Hell no, get away from me." So I'm gonna let him take it over from here. He's gonna tell you what happens once he got to the boat. So so anyhow. Jeremy breaks my heart, but not letting me get in a damn car and do a do a blast, you know. So we get in the skiff. I got my headlamp on, and I'm trying to rig it up. And you know, in Baton Rouge, you got all these boats coming down the river. So there's waves everywhere, ships coming in. I'm this little bitty old John boat in the middle of the damn river. I got my headlamp <laughs> on, trying to drive this John boat because I won't let nobody else drive it. I'm scared to death they may kill me. <laughs> So we're in the middle of this, we're in this John boat, ships coming by, tugs blaring by, and I'm trying to rig up this shot. Well, I'm spilling my dope everywhere, getting pissed off, so I, I, I said, fuck it, we'll get to the boat. You know, a dope head, you can't wait to do a shot. So we get, we get on the boat, well, the other guys get up there, because they all know I got dope, you know, they're, they're wanting to do something, I'm like, y'all put the skiff up, I'm going to my room. So I run up my bedroom, me and my buddy, uh... The one that OD'd, he, he runs up there with me, and we're fixing to do toe work. And we had a massive amount of toe work. We was there for like 14 hours with tugs on us. Anyhow, we run up the room. We're stalling the tugs out. Captain's hollering on the radio. Uh, where you guys at there? Unit 1? Unit 1? That's what they call us on the boat. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blowing him off. I'm like, oh, Capo, we're trying to put this y'all up. He said, well, hell, they put it up five minutes ago. I was like, damn, you know, but anyhow, we're up there rigging up shot, man. I do one. I'm like, ooh, this is good shit, yeah. So I get my buddies ready because none of them guys really know, you know, what they want to, you know, how much they need to do. They'll end up doing too much or not enough want to do another shot. So I fix him up a shot, and he's good to go. Well, you know, I let him run out, and I did me another one. And then when we run out on tow, we're out there, shit, three or three hours maybe. I'm like, hey, man, you want to make do a shot of dope? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the tug takes off. We come back to the boat. You know, we're all pumped up. I'm, I'm already nodding by then. Uh, so we get back to the boat, run upstairs to my bedroom. My buddy, he, done, he got his own bag. I done give him his own bag. And I done told him, I said, man, you don't need to be trying to do dope like me, you know. I've been doing this for a long fucking time. Oh, I got this. I got this. He goes in my bathroom in my bedroom here. He's doing his deal. I done pulled me up a shot, hit myself, pulled up another one, thinking that wasn't good enough. Well, I turn around and look, I hear a thump. And I look over, and this goddamn fool is laying in my floor, ODing on me with the rig in his arm. Well, I'm like, on oh, a boat, on, a on the Mississippi, on Mississippi no ambulance near. Nothing, nothing. Okay. Anyhow, I'm like, holy fuck. So I holler on the radio, y'all guys need to come up here real quick. You know, I, I'm trying to get this rig out of his goddamn arm. He's got a rig in there. He ain't got it all shot up in. 
And I'm like, fuck, man, there's blood, and I can't use that. So I throw it in my goddamn, I had a needle exchange box on the boat, <laughs> believe it or not. I throw it in the needle exchange box. Anyhow, I get I get that motherfucker, they come up my room, I said, you, you need to go get the cat up. I got to figure out what the fuck we're going to do. He's turning blue. I'm giving him mouth to mouth, pumping his chest, trying to keep him breathing. Well, they call an ambulance. And God damn it, and that... Now, know. my tugboat, the one I work on, yeah. they actually have to go to his boat. They have to stop what they're doing, go to his boat, yep. pick the guy up, bring him to the dock, and bring him to the ambulance, right? Okay, so Buzz resuscitated this guy. We got, we brought him back. They shook him back, right? So yeah, but he I, ain't, he's not coherent. Okay. He's just breathing. He's just breathing. Okay, so then I get to work the next morning. And the first thing my partner that works on the other shift tells me is, your homeboy died last night. And I'm automatically thinking, oh, shit, Buzz, d- d- he's done killed himself. So I call Tyrell, and Tyrell picks up the phone. I'm like, man, what is going on? He's like, dude, I OD'd last night. I'm like, man, it was like a, <laughs> it was a close call, man, because I'm telling you, if, they, if they'd have looked into it, I would have been going to jail for whatever you call it. Yeah. Like, Involuntary manslaughter. Yep. You know, the paperwork was there. But I, I will let you know one thing, uh, Dave. Right now I'm at a sober living, quote unquote, sober, sober living, living house. house. Everybody here's got some clean time. Uh, yep. We thought you would, you know, enjoy this story. It's one of those crazy stories that happens <laughs> in life. Um, anyways, I hope you like it. We got a bunch more. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, All right, man, love you. I mean, this motherfucker, dude, I rode, a, I rode 330 days last year. All right, we love you, Dave. Love you, uh, Dopey Nation. Y'all be good. Now, there's just there's just too many good things about this voicemail, and you got to sit closer up to the mic. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I cannot imagine a better voicemail than this. Now, the only thing I'm confused about is did Terrell die? He must not have died. No, he was the guy who OD'd on the boat. Right, but he's alive. He's alive. But Jeremy thought Buzz was dead or Tyrell was dead. Buzz. Either way, fucking... He didn't make the connection that the, that was the same guy. So many good... This this voicemail, you gotta be closer to the mic because it's like you're distant and my dad's gonna be like, Linda sounds very quiet. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with the sound. That's what happens. And you're sitting back like you're the queen of Sheba. Like, get on the mic. Okay, the, ba- the reason that this voicemail is so good, number one, this is what Dopey's that all about. That voicemail makes me feel very relaxed. I know. It's a very relaxing uh, effect on me. It's a relaxing, crazy thing. I mean, it's like it's these guys on a boat on the Mississippi River shooting heroin, overdosing, and laughing about it. It's like the the phrases in this voicemail that that I had to jot down. Fixin'. Fixin' to do a blast. Fixin' to do a blast. Being on the John boat as opposed to the little skiff on the Mississippi. Um... And uh, I wrote something out. Oh, his partner uh, OD'd. It's like, it's like this is what Dopey's all about. If you are able to tell a story about overdosing on the Mississippi, Mississippi. River, then um, are you going to do a little Southern? I, I, I want you to. I'm trying to get you. You want me to? I, no. You see, the other thing, Dopey Nation, that you have to know is that the reason the episode is out three days late is because yeah. Linda and I... Sat down, we recorded that bit you heard, I don't know, in the middle of the week, and then we were fixing to shoot the, I mean, to record the rest, and we did, and we recorded, like, one of the best dopey yeah, episodes ever. It was fun. It was, like, big laughs and big emotions and stuff, 
And somehow, when I was putting it together, I lost 40 minutes. Yeah. So I had that lost episode ready to go, and I, I, I was <laughs> so upset. It was Friday it, night. And I went to... It was after, Thursday night. After we recorded it, I went up to bed, and maybe... I don't know, an hour hour later, Dave wakes me up and says, I I, I erased it. I was going to wake you up. And then he goes, and I'm like, Dave, I got to go to bed. I'm tired. And he goes, goes, can you come down and do it again? Did I say that? Yes. And I'm like, no. Good night. But before we even tell that story, I want to thank Jeremy and Buzz. Fucking send in more stuff. Do a podcast. I mean, Southern fucking junkies on the Mississippi. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. Jeremy Turner. It's like the dynamic duo. But I'm a little bit worried about Jeremy. I'm not worried about Jeremy. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit worried about Buzz because Buzz was out of pocket. Jeremy was going to record something with Buzz and Buzz disappeared. Hopefully Buzz is okay. Please let us know. Yeah. Uh, anything you guys record, uh, send in. I think you guys are amazing. Now, back to the story. It, okay. It's Thursday night. The fucking audio is just gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's too bad. I try to wake up. It was there were some big laughs, which is why I was so upset. Not to mention the episode was supposed to come out the next day, right. and I had to work uh, a long shift. I was gonna like because I have a bunch of the episode recorded. I have an interview recorded after this segment with Linda. Right. We had. Uh, he was so upset he couldn't sleep at night. He kept saying, "I can't sleep." Can we just go down and record it? I think it was like two in the morning. I'm like, no. He's like, I, I'm so upset. It was so good. Like he's very dedicated to the podcast. No. Dedicated to the podcast. Yeah. It's true, but um, and it's like when when you record something like that and then it gets erased, it is hard to. It's probably very hard to deal with that because then you'll you know you'll never hear it again. You can't ever. You can never perfectly recreate. So it's, yeah, you know. the the thing was, it was it was a nice segment, um, and I was really worried that I wasn't going to have one up. Not to mention that the lost episode that I released was the only lost episode I have. So right. that might be the last episode with Chris that anybody ever hears. Mm-hmm. I think there are three more lost episodes in my broken computer in the attic, and I think the same episodes are in Chris's broken computer at Annie's house. Right. And I'm I'm pretty optimistic that we will get them. But if that was the last episode, it was a good one. Um, it's very hard. Me and Chris, what we would do is we would record four episodes at a time. So like I wasn't it wasn't week to week I wasn't scrambling to put an episode together because we had the four episodes. Well, you're very lucky you had that. What do you mean? You're lucky you had that I mean you were lucky you had that episode to play on Friday. If I didn't, I would have... Uh, and that's like the coolest thing for the listeners to hear, an, an, an episode of you and Chris from the beginning that was never released. I mean, that's... It was released. You times, made us take it down. A million times better than this is going to be. Well, I don't know. It, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was like, we sound like we're kids, if you listen to yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine. But, um, so now we have to recreate the missing 40 minutes. I know. It's not easy. Um... We could talk. We were talking about trust in relationships with addicts. Uh, you were telling the story that you told that you should probably tell again. Here's your choices. You can either tell the story about the time when uh, when you took custody of Nora and. Uh, oh, wow, we talked about that. Okay, so I'll talk about that. Um, or you could tell the story of the Amy Winehouse story, which you didn't tell. 
Well, we, we were going to talk, well, what we wanted to talk about was a little bit about trust sort of following up from um, the, the whole thing that happened at Dutch Wonderland and after we, you know, were trying to move forward in our, in our relationship. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about how hard it is to develop trust in a relationship that's been, you know, broken, so, broken so many times. Linda, you, when I used to try to put the relationship back together... Linda would use this analogy that it was like a glass, and once the glass breaks, a plate. Well, you so you drop a plate once. Well, glass just shatters, but you you drop a plate once, and it breaks into like you know three or four big chunks, and then you glue it back together, and then it's, have you ever glued a plate back together? No. Okay. But then it kind of sucks as a plate, but it's it still works. You can still eat on <laughs> and it. Then, and then you drop the plate like a second time, and then it shatters into maybe like. It's 50 pieces, and most people don't waste their time gluing it, but the people that do are very, very determined to make that plate work. And then, like, the fifth or sixth time you drop the plate, it's just, it's just, it's just done. And that's what she used to say about our relationship. That's, what, that's how I described our relationship. But look at all the glue I used, and now look, we're used, stronger than ever. I think I'm the one that used the glue. You do? But anyway, so... What well, what I was thinking about was just the idea of, of moving forward in a relationship where there's no trust, but you love the person and you want it to work and you want to move forward. And, and so some of the behaviors that start, like looking at the person's, you know, cell phone and, you know, at times maybe even asking for a drug test here and there, you know, we've kind of went through all of that stuff, which has stopped. You know, I mean, we've definitely entered into a place of, of, I think, actual trust at this point. But it took a long time. and um, But I think that our trust was born out of you. It's like, in the past, there was no trust, but I also wasn't really working a program. It's like, when you see me working a program, you're like, okay, I see he's accountable someplace, so maybe he can be accountable with me also. Right. Like, it, it went together. Like, I didn't have a program, and you had zero trust for me. And when uh, and when we had broken up, and I went to treatment, and um, I was still getting high, Linda, I, and Linda had our kid, and I was like, I want to spend time with our kid alone. And Linda's like, okay, well, you can spend time with her alone if you can show me, uh, I think it was 12 or 18 months of continuous sobriety. So we, a hair, I wanted a... Um hair follicle test, which I we think we said was like nine nine months, goes back nine months of, you know, use. Yeah. And so uh, that was what we that was what I needed in order for him to be able to have our daughter for her his own visits. I guess he I think he wanted to bring her to the city to be with him. And uh but what I what I talked about on the erased 40 minutes was, um, let's not refer to the erased 40 minutes. I know. Again. It's well, going to get too confusing. I know it's, it feels weird to talk, say the, this again, but, um, don't say that it's going to make the, the listeners feel uncomfortable about it. <laughs> um, so we wound up going to court after, you know, all that stuff went down where I found Dave using and, um, I got an attorney, he, he got an attorney and we had to go to court to try to, um, deal with custody issues. And I, all of my friends were telling me to just file for sole custody, like, fuck him and, and, you know, who needs him and you just get sole custody. But I didn't want to do that. I, I had faith. Why? So um, 
Let me just finish. Okay. So I was going to file for full residential custody, which means she lives with me full time, but he's, Dave is still, you know, there's still a joint custody arrangement. So we show up to court and he has his fancy schmancy lawyer and he shows up with his, I think his sister and... I, thought, I, I think his dad was there, but he, might he doesn't been. remember. But I'm pretty sure Alan was there. But Alan, you can let us know when you come on the show again. I'm sure Alan will not want to talk about that. I'm but, sure uh, he will because he just wants to come and on then the I show. And then I went by myself with my attorney. and Who was uh, also your friend. Well, my friend was an attorney in the building, and she came down to give me support. She was the one of the friends who wanted me to file for sole custody. So anyway, so I look, I take one look at Dave and his little entourage, and he looks totally fucking high. Yeah, I was high on heroin. Totally, and I just looked at him. And but I was, I was wearing like, a nice suit, and I had a good haircut. But and, I was high on heroin, and I just couldn't even believe it. And um, so we're about to go into the courtroom, and uh, he comes over to me, and he's like, uh, "Can I talk to you for a minute?" And I'm like, "What?" And he looks at me and he goes, he's like, um, you know, he's like, well, uh, you know, can, can I still please, you know, can I still smoke weed? Can I still smoke weed? Wanting to make sure, like wanting to make some sort of side arrangement with me that like weed would be okay. And I just looked at him and like shook my head and walked away and we went into the courtroom and, and that was that. So that was kind of a, a discouraging deal. Well, I think that has a lot to do with. Also, like, I talk about it on the show all the time where heroin addicts want to just smoke weed. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think I react so harshly to other heroin addicts who say they want to smoke weed. You were very weed. desperate to continue to have that crutch. But I think it, it's more than the crutch. I think that, a her- and, and forgive me, Dopey Nation, if you're a heroin addict and somehow you can just smoke weed. But for me, I think to beg to smoke weed was really just leaving a window open where I could do what I wanted. I could sneak out through that window right. if it meant pills, if it meant dope, if it meant anything. The window was open. And to me, and to me, all that meant was that our daughter was still not his priority. His drugs were. Right. Getting high was. It was my right. identity. Because like, cause if, if, if that wasn't someone's priority to still get high, you would never in a million years entering into a courtroom to decide custody arrangements with attorneys... To ask, be focused on if I could to smoke ask pot. if you could still smoke weed, and I mean, he was just desperate to not lose that. I mean, I guess, I guess you also kind of knew that you would try to stop using if everything went through in court, or else you wouldn't have even asked. You know, so you you knew you were gonna, you wanted to do the right thing. So I think you knew that knew you were gonna leave there and try to be clean. If I said no, like you weren't gonna say screw it, I want to keep using. Well, but I did. What happened more. was. What happened was, I I wanted the fact that you were asking means that you were you know open to being clean. I think in my mind, I knew I didn't know what it meant to be a father. Or right. Nora was like, six, or to be sober. Nora was like, how old was she at that point? She was less than a year, I think. Yeah. And um, I had no idea what it was to be a father. I had no idea what it was to be sober. I was really scared to not smoke pot because. It was my crutch. It was my relaxation. It was my free time. It was my identity. It was, I, I loved smoking pot more than anything. And I didn't know how to live without smoking pot, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was I wound up, after that, just going full on on heroin. And the heroin just got worse and worse and worse. And my habit got to like $300 a day. 
remember you, I would come out and 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 your mother would would see me nodding out yeah, on the floor. Yeah, said that. Um, I think we said that on the erased yeah. part. Um, sorry. I, uh, <laughs> Don't bring it up. I came out. Linda, Linda. I had walked into a wall, and Linda found me with a black eye and a broken nose. Do you remember? And that yeah. was when I was like, I gotta go away. Then we tried to do an intervention with uh, Alan. Um, I don't Dave. remember that at all. Yeah, well, you were you were very high during all of these things. Dave came out to um, the town that I'm from, and uh, and and Alan was out there, and my parents, and uh, he was so high when he got out there that we did. Uh, I don't. I think we kind of knew we were going to sit down and have this conversation. I kind of remember my parents' back porch. And Dave was like, "That's not cool," and he like like literally started like running to the train. You left. You left that. <laughs> he started running down the street. My parents live on Elm Street, so it was a little nightmare on Elm Street for Dave. Ugh, and he started terrible. He started running. And, and then, then what happened? It was so dramatic. It was like... And Why I, did I start running? Because you were so angry that, that, that everyone was putting you in that position. It was like to do straight what? out of intervention. To do what? To, to go to uh, treatment. I hadn't agreed to go? No, you were like, this is fucked up. And you like, ran, and you like literally ran away. And you like started running down the street, and then I think your dad went and got you. I don't know. It was a whole a whole drama, but you were you were just. It's weird. You would show up at things. That I think that's what we talked about the first time I was on the show was how you know even though you were using and you were this horrible addict, you were still like responsible. So you would show up at things like court, but high on heroin, or you'd come to your visitations for your daughter, but like would be nodding out. Are you, you know, so you still were showing up at things where most people would be like, no, I'm too fucked up. I can't go. You would be like present at everything. And, you know, so, which I guess is cool. Who knows? It's weird. But part of that is why I think it helped you to get better because you were still, you were very visible with your problem as opposed to just sort of isolating and cutting out, cutting off and not being around people, it'd probably take longer for you to get better, but you would be like hanging out. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I, I really, really, really high. I can't make time. sense of it. All I know I is know. that I like, I never thought of it like that, but I think I had just been using drugs for so long that it was like, that was my natural state. We had a kid. It was very important uh, to me to be there when I could be there. Like I wasn't going to miss, I wasn't going to be the guy that didn't go to see the kid when I was supposed to go see the kid, I wasn't going to be the person that didn't give you money. You know what but I mean? That, I, th- I do think, and I, mean, I guess the listeners will, will have an opinion about this too. I do think that's more on the unusual side. When people are that fucked up, $300 a day heroin problem, to still be consistently showing up to like their visitations and, and not missing appointments. And I don't know, I don't know. why. I don't, it's weird because, I don't know. It's just, I think it's because I'm the kind of junkie that wakes up early in the morning. That has no shame. No, it's just like it's like the same thing. It's just there's some things that I just do, you know, no matter what. And mm-hmm. and and I do it, you know, I'm committed to doing it. And and I think like I'm just really persistent. You know, I was really when I would get high, I was really persistent mm-hmm. in getting high. You know what I mean? Sure. Like like I would you know, and that was something me and Todd were different like that. When we started using I would be like, now I'm going to use every day. And Todd would be like, why? And Todd would like spread it out. Well, you were committed. I was so committed. So you're committed to your, to your people. You're committed to your drug. You're, you know, you're very committed to everything. And you still are. You're very committed to this podcast. You're whatever. So that's, 
I'm persistent. That's a good quality, but I guess when you were wrapped up in drug use, you also became very committed to that as well, which kept you using for so long. Right, 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 right. Um, I also remember, I remember I went to treatment, I met Chris at treatment, and I got out of treatment, and I probably told the story on Dopey. Um, I got out of treatment, and I went into, I was cleaning out my closet or something, and I had a bag from this comic store called Forbidden Planet. They have they give you these canvas bags. And I looked in the bag, uh, thinking I had comics or whatever, and there were two new needles as soon as I came out of mm-hmm. uh, of rehab. And I was like, and I was like, and I'm sure a lot of people could relate to this. I looked at the two needles in my bag and I said, I have to get high again. Because just from seeing a needle? Just from having fresh needles in my house that I didn't know Without about. Without drugs though? I didn't have any drugs, and I hadn't used drugs in 30 days. Wow. Just the sight of a clean needle was enough. It was like the convenience of having it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it was like I needed to use the needle. I, had, I, I was like, it was almost like entitlement. Like, I had bought the needle to get high. I'm not going to throw. I mean, it was right. a quarter. It was 25 cents or whatever, 50 cents. I don't remember how much it cost. Um, but I got high, and then, and then I was like, that's the last time I can do dope. And then I remember Todd came down, and we were sitting on the balcony uh, where we had started doing dopey. Me and Todd were sitting there, and we were smoking a joint on the the terrace. And we're and it, I had the best view. You remember the one on the ninth ninth floor? It was mm-hmm. a view of the Empire State Building, and it was yeah. like the whole city was like coming out in front of you. And I was sitting there with Todd, and it was like the evening, and we were smoking a joint. And I was like, "This is the last time I can smoke pot with you." He's like, why? And I was like, I'm going to get hair tested. And he's like, oh, man, that's bullshit. Blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I think this is what I have to do in order to, to be in, in Nora's life. And he was like, ah. And then me and him went to eat Chinese food. We went to Chinatown. And we had this huge Chinese feast, me and Todd stoned. And, um, and it was sad. You know what I mean? Because it's like with consequences, the idea of doing the right thing is much harder do you know what i mean like we couldn't i couldn't enjoy it because i was so scared of how i was going to get through the next day the next day the next day and uh and that's when we said how much you you miss weed i don't talk about that now though do i i mean not that you're gonna go back and 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 use it but you you do you've said that you don't ever miss heroin or you don't ever miss i think i mean any other drug, but you've definitely said that you've met, you do miss weed. I miss weed, but I know that it's so, it's so ingrained into so many things like into music and, 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 you know, like even like if like, you know, I want to go to like concerts, you know, everybody's smoking weed, you know, it's so everywhere that it's a hard, I think that's a harder drug to part with. I don't miss weed in the way that you would imagine that I would miss weed. So because, how, so because like I like literally I feel stoned all the time. Like I feel permanently stoned. What is it about it? Like the uh, smell? I miss the, being part of the culture. The culture. That's that's what I'm trying to say. I miss being part of pot culture. I miss being able to shut a part of myself off from time to time. Like I can't do that. What I and, and like with concerts and stuff, like if we went to Jazz Fest in New Orleans and I was sober and you could smoke weed and drink, right. I think I would get so bored between the right. acts. Yeah. Like, it'd just be too much time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think weed was good for, uh, you know, dealing with boredom and stuff. I don't, I don't get bored now. And, um, and the other thing 
that I think we talked about when we were, I gotta get this stupid cat <laughs> off the table. Our big fat cat is laying across everything. Um, I, um, you know, it's important to me to plug this in because you were talking about like, you were talking about uh, priorities. You know, mm-hmm. like when we were at court and I said, um, what did I say? I said, can, can, I, I, still, can I smoke weed? Can and I it's still like, smoke? please smoke weed. Please let me keep smoke okay. bud, you know, and, 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 it was, and I was desperate, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, very desperate. And then it was like another three years later that it all came back around and we had tried to get back together again. That was around the Dutch Wonderland story. There was this another story. Uh, and, um, and and Linda was like, if you, if you, it's like custody's removed again because I had relapsed. I was smoking pot every day. I was taking pills. We told this already, but I was sitting in my kitchen and 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 I was like writing Linda a letter. I wrote yeah, this one. This long, would write very long letters. I wrote this long letter to get to get her back to, to be able to still smoke weed. Yeah, these long letters to Linda and She's weed. She's like drawing drawing pot leaves on it no. with hearts. No, I'm serious. Uh, and I, I was so <laughs> desperate again to hold on to Bud, and this thing hit me in my head, and it was like maybe you don't have to smoke weed. Right. Like maybe this is more important. You know, and also Nora maybe was. Maybe you could just eat lots and lots of chocolate instead. That's what that's what you think happened. Well, that that's become your new that that's replaced your. Uh, it's going to be a big health issue, though. This chocolate thing. I'm going to be diabetic. Like it's it's like coming down the pike. Like I'm. I need to it's quit really, chocolate. It's really. It's really. It's real. It's a. It's a. It's a big addiction. You, your your sweets addiction is I out, know. It's out of control. Because he he had the he was smoking cigarettes for a long time and then. Um, when we all moved in together a couple of years ago, I just put my foot down because it was, it was gross. And we're trying to teach our daughter that smoking's bad. And he's, I was also sick. It's just, it's just, I would wake up, I'd be oh, coughing, cough coughing all day. Disgusting. And it was just, it was just so gross. And he'd be, he, and he's also a bit, you're not the cleanest person. So he'd be flicking the cigarettes off the balcony onto like the cars or onto the grass. Like people below apartment below us. So it just was just gross. And um, but I'd also, and then, I'd also and then get, he'd say like I'm gonna quit and he'd ha- he ha- at one point he had our daughter like take his pack of cigarettes and break them in half and flush them down the toilet and he had this whole ceremony with her like I'm not gonna smoke anymore and she's like Daddy that's so great and then like next, the next day he's smoking and she's like Daddy <laughs> I mean, it's just becoming very traumatic for for Nora but now he 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 eats way too much. I always, Sugar. I always did though. She'll will find like wrappers of just whole. She'll be like, did he eat this whole chocolate bar? And then we'll she'll be like, wait, did he eat this whole bag of Tate's cookies? And then we'll be like, but wait, and it's just it's like a trail of sh- of just junk. And and so one day uh, <laughs> we bought a box of me and Nora bought a box of Malamar cookies at the supermarket, and she knew. She said, "Mommy, I think I'm gonna hide them in my desk." <laughs> Because I don't want Daddy to eat all of them, and I'm like, no, he'll he'll have willpower. And we just both looked at each other. I'm like, yeah, just put it, <laughs> just put it in your desk. So it stayed in there. She's like, mommy, they're still in my desk. We 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 actually had a box of cookies that lasted for a good. That's because you didn't you tell know, me about them. A couple days. I know. It's like you picture me like looking in her desk for cookies, though. I think you rummage all over the place. I don't. All right. So yes, yeah, so I have a problem with sweets. It's been established. I do believe that the 12 steps has saved me from so many things. It will save me from this. 
And that's that. I'm rooting for you. All right. Now, there's really important dopey business to tend to, and it's very deep in the show to tend to it, but I, ha- I have to tend to it. Um, I feel like it's too deep in the show. I feel guilty about it. But I'm, de- I'm tending to dopey business now. So I've been trying, you know, I'm obsessed with making dopey, as you know. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with uh, the dopey nation. I, I, I would love to make this episode four hours long. I have so much stuff to go over. I know. You know, like some dude posted today on the Dopey Nation, uh, how did you discover Dopey? And like my heart just fills up with all this joy. It's yeah. like all these people are like, I I Googled heroin podcast. I Googled meth podcast. I heard it on Dr. Drew. It's just so cool. Yeah. And like I'm infinitely grateful to that. And, uh, you know, I, I wish we could make more episodes, but there's no time. You know, there's barely time for one. Um, eventually maybe if there's money, if somebody would buy a fucking ad or six, maybe I could spend more time making the show. And I already spent too much time. Anyway. You're taking up more time now. Begging for money. So let's, um, all right. So I got this email. Um, hold on. I just want to make sure this is going to work. So I had scheduled, uh, I'd, I'd reached out to David Sheff. And David Sheff, who wrote Beautiful Boy, said he was going to come on sometime in November, that he'd have time. And I was working at my job, and um, I got an email from him saying that he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it till January. And now, January is not that far away from November, but for right. some reason, I got really upset. And, and uh, you know, this rapper, Killer Mike, uh, said he was going to come on, but he kind of like... You're feeling discouraged. I, I was feeling discouraged. Stuttering John, I'm trying to get on. Why am I trying to get Stuttering John on? But uh, I'm trying to get some people on because it validates Dopey's existence. Right. You know, David Sheff, he wrote an addiction memoir about his son. Uh, Killer beautiful Mike. Boy. Yeah, beautiful boy. Killer Mike was a drug dealer, huge rapper now. Mm-hmm. Stuttering John was on the Howard Stern Show, and anything about the Howard Stern Show is very important to me. Um but uh, I'm thinking I'm not going to get any more guests, you know. And I and I was like, well, maybe everybody will be okay with that if we don't have any more guests or any more high end guests. Right, celebrity. Um, and I walk out of Katz's and I borrow uh, the the nicotine vape from the Major D to tell you the truth. Oh, and I really? go out on the corner and I vape on the on the corner. The he has a very low percentage of nicotine, but I'm standing there vaping, thinking, what's going to happen? with the show, maybe it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And what do I see across the street, walking down the street, literally in this moment, what? but this guy that looks exactly like Mark Marin. And Mark Marin, for those who do not know, has one of the biggest podcasts in the universe. He's had Obama like the on. Biggest, right? Well, one of them. Uh, he's had Obama. He had Paul McCartney. He's had huge guests he has uh, billions of downloads. Right. He makes a fortune of money. Not to mention he's funny. He's Jewish. He's this nebbish. Not to mention he's in recovery. Mm-hmm. He's like at least 15, 20 years clean. I, I don't know. We'll, uh, hopefully we'll find out. And I'm like, holy shit. Because like basically if I had a list of 10 people I would want on Dopey, he might be in the top five. Right. You know, I don't know that I would want Russell Brand more than Mark Marin. Chris did. Uh, I, I really related a lot to Mark Marin, and so I, I run up to him, and I'm like, "Dude, um, I do this podcast called Dopey, and I work here at this restaurant." And he's like, "Oh, I, I see you tweet at me all the time." And then I, I started complimenting him because I watched him on Glow. 
I watched Marin on IFC. I've listened to his podcast. Mm-hmm. I bought his book. I read his book. Yeah. I'm a fan of his. You know, um, and I said, why don't you come by tomorrow? Because I was working at 9 in the morning, and I'll buy you breakfast. And he goes, uh, okay. And I go, and maybe you could come on Dopey, too. And he goes, maybe I will. And, and like, to be totally fucking honest, I've written Mark Marin at least five times. Writing about my life, writing about Dopey, asking him to come on, mm-hmm. and his publicist or his producer or his assistant or his manager actually had the decency to write me back and say, it's not well, going to happen. It will never happen. Yeah, but thanks. Keep on yeah. punching. Whatever. Um, which I respected. And I even said that to him. I said, you know, your, your person got back to me and she told me you wouldn't come on. And I was like, that's cool. I said that to Chris. I said that on the show. And he said, well, I'm going to come on. And then the next morning... I run to work super fast, and I'm getting ready to do my side work. It's 9 in the morning, and who walks in but Mark Marin To and see you. To see me. Yeah. But maybe and for, bre- maybe for a free, free breakfast. breakfast. He had a lox and onions scrambled, uh, onions well done, and um, we chatted. We had a nice conversation. I, I was nervous because, like, he's like a hero of mine. Right. He's gotten to he's make like his living... He's gotten to make his living doing exactly uh, what, you do. what I want to do. So um, he recorded this little bit. I want to play it for you. Okay, this is Mark Marin. You should listen to the Dopey podcast because David cornered me on the street. And then he lured me in to Katz's for breakfast, which I, I did because I'm a Jew. And now he's trying to get me on the show. I don't know if I'm going to do that, but you should... Is this too long for one of those promotional no, things? Going, keep going. But you should listen to Dopey. I plan to listen to it when I have time, which is highly unlikely. Hi. Oh, that's very, that's very nice. Odette, kick yeah. rocks, yeah. eat it. It's amazing how part of my, uh, my genetics belongs in this deli. So anyways, listen to the, the podcast. What is it, the Dopey podcast? I think it's just Dopey. But it can be the Dopey Podcast. Either one. I don't care. Now he's giving me direction. It's good direction. Listen to Dopey Podcast. That's it? No, say the Dopey. The, the Dopey Podcast. Did you have, am I the first time that you've ever done one of these? No, I had the Oracle from the Matrix at my table. She did one. The woman who did the voice? Yeah. No, the woman who was the Oracle. Oh, right. Listen to the Dopey Podcast. And I'll do it too. So that's pretty amazing, right? That is very amazing. So I think tomorrow morning... I think he's going to give you a lot of shit. Yeah, probably. T- tomorrow morning, supposedly, I'm going to meet uh, Mark Marin to record Dopey. So we'll see if that happens. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Fucking amazing. All right. So, as always, it was a pleasure to have you <laughs> on the show. And I love you. I love you too. And now uh, we have a bonus interview. With one of these guys who does uh, memes. Mm. He has a website and a face, he has a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a Twitter page called Dank Recovery Memes. Ah. And this is where I get a lot of the, the, this is where Chris and I have stolen tons of memes for the dopey. What's your favorite meme that you've stolen? My favorite meme. Was that Big Bird one from him? No. Oh, I like that one. That one was amazing. That was from, uh, 
Emily Sullivan, the woman who wrote the Vice piece, she sent it in. But I don't think she made the meme. Uh, I don't know where she got it from. Maybe it was a dank recovery anyway, meme. Which, 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 which I love that meme. Dank recovery the, the memes that I like are just weird. Like, like what? Like I talk about, listen, I pre-recorded an interview with this guy, and we talk about one that I like. Oh, okay. And, and it's like, I, 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 it's hard for me to know right away which ones I like. Like, I like the one, and I don't know if it was a dank recovery meme, but there's a man and a woman in bed, and the woman says, uh, uh, hold on. All right, so there's a man and a woman in the bed, and the, the woman is upset, and the man is really worried, and there's a caption, and she says, I bet he's worried about my tumor. He loves me so much. All right. And he says, when this bitch dies, I'm getting an eight ball of Coke and some fireworks. Now, it's like you can't really... And you really like that. I just thought it was funny. Okay. You know, it's like not nice. You know, look at it. It's it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's funny. The picture with yeah. that is... It's, is it's describing funny. memes is like not the funniest thing in the world. So we'll see how our friend Timothy does uh, from Dank Recovery memes. But he was awesome. And right. he's, he's uh, sober, in recovery, 12-step fucking heroin addict. So nice. he belongs on Dopey. All right. So, um, good night, Lynn, and thank you. Good night, thank you. And uh, here we go with Tim. What's up, man? What's up, Tim? So we're recording. Um, this is uh, very exciting for me because uh, I'm actually a huge fan of this guy. Would you call yourself Timothy or Tim? Um, actually, what's funny is most people in the program call me Moose. All right. So, <laughs> but if it's between Tim and Timothy, I guess I prefer Timothy. All right, we'll call you Moose. Um, Now, there's a million fucking sites that do these memes, where and you know about different things. And there's all these drug memes and recovery memes, and you know, in pursuing memes for the dopey Instagram page, Chris would find them here and there, but he always found the best ones on Dank. Recovery memes, and I know that for my money, I always want my shit to be dank. And when I saw dank recovery memes, I was like, I'm gonna start stealing this stuff too. And I noticed on the thing that you could email or call dank recovery memes, and I was like, Holy shit, what if I got dank recovery memes on Dopey? And I called and it went to some voice center, so then I wrote him and I was like, I would love you to come on the show and, and Moose wrote back, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Moose had never heard of Dopey, to my chagrin. Correct. What are you going to do, but, right? But I looked it up right away, and I was like, you know what? This is exactly my style, you know? Well, considering all of our memes were stolen from you, you kind of <laughs> helped You kind of helped set up our style. Now, yeah, I went on. I went on your page, and I'm like, no tags, no credit. What the hell? Typical junkies steal your memes and help you look for them. What is a meme exactly? Like, where did it get the the phrase? Where where did meme come from? You know, I have no idea. You don't know. I have no clue. And I've looked it up. You know, a meme is. Um, it's funny. I was just I just screenshotted the definition of meme. Like, probably four hours ago. And uh, it just means a humorous image, video, piece of text that is copied often with slight variations and spread rapidly by internet users. 
So the name was it was it was originated from things like Instagram and Facebook and stuff. I'm not sure. Who knows? How did you get into it? Oh man! So I was. Uh, I, have you ever heard of Why Pause? Young people in AA. No. So I was added to this group called Why Paw Memes, and. Uh, like YPAW is like an entire fellowship in and of itself. Like every state has a YPAW. Like there's Paw, the International Conference of Young People in AA. It's in a different city every year. What constitutes a young person in AA? Like you when know, are you I, too old to be in YPAW? I don't know, man. But I think if you're like actually taking an inventory, you should have a good idea of that. And like, dude. These things are wild. It's like N.A., but in AA, And, uh, like, you'll see people beer-bonging Red Bulls and, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's it's crazy. But when I was newly sober, I got sober at the age of 28. Right. Uh, like, those were awesome. Like, it was an awesome experience. And especially because they get really good speakers there. And I remember I heard a guy. Do you guys talk about steps on here ever? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, well, I heard a guy talking about step nine, and I was on, like, step two, and he just had a really powerful story. I heard that at my first YPAW, and I was thinking, you know, I really want to experience what that guy is experiencing in this program, you know? So, fast forward to memes. You know, someone added me to a group called YPAW Memes, and it was just all these people in recovery posting really sick memes about recovery and stuff. And I would say they're, you know, relatively tame. Uh, but the person that ran the group started kicking everyone out and banning everyone for pushing the envelope, you know, getting more and more inappropriate. So like the memes would, the memes would get really inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And the comments, it was just, it was a shit show. And then, so we created like a backup group and it was like, you know, it's secretly known as Fight Club, and uh, that's where I started to really hone my craft right. of making memes. And uh, you know, through that group, like I, slowly, like my memes were being stole by other meme pages. And you know, I just want to say this, man: when that was all happening, like I was going through a lot of shit in my own recovery. Like, my brother was killed in a drunk driving accident. I had about two and a half years sober. And, uh, man, I was, like, emotionally having a meltdown. And I kind of made friends with this whole community of people just based around memes and expressing my own sense of humor. And so I thought two things. One, I'm tired of people stealing my memes and taking credit for them. And two, uh, if this is helping me this much, it would have to be helpful to other people. Not everyone is going to, you know, benefit from that kind of stuff, but people like me might, you know, and I was always told I only have one message to carry, and that's mine, you know. So let's back up for a second so that the Dopey Nation knows a little bit about your story. Because, um, like, I, I mean, you know, like, when you listen to, I mean, something that Chris always used to say was, like, when he would listen to a speaker, the only way that he could listen to them is if he knew that they like shot Coke and they had a dough problem and they were an alcoholic. And I think a lot of people, when they listen to a speaker, they want to hear 
what that dude was into or whatever. So why don't you just qualify for a quick sec so they, you know, Dopey Nation can know your story a little bit. Yeah, okay. So let's give the quick version. Um, man, uh, I come from an alcoholic family. You know, everyone drinks. Um, and I started smoking weed when I was 13. And I instantly fell in love with weed. I wanted to smoke weed every single day. I thought it was like the, you know, the missing ingredient of my life. Right. Um, and I, I slowly graduated to everything else. You know, I, from weed, I, I was at a party smoking weed and drinking some alcohol and a guy offered me Coke and I was like, hell no, man. You know, I've been through dare class. Yeah. I know what cocaine does to you. Yes. But I, I get drunk and high enough, and I'm like, no one else seems to be dying, you know? So I try some Coke. And uh, and crack was a little bit of the same way. I was drunk and high, and someone's like, smoke some crack with me. And I'm like, hell no. And they're like, it's basically, all it is is just Coke that you smoke. I'm like, that's what crack is? All right. <laughs> oh, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then it was... Uh, I was really... I, 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 always, I always thought crack would do so much more than it did. I was expecting, like, the earth to open up when I first smoked crack, and it just didn't happen. Right, yeah. Um, I, see, I just thought crack was for pieces of shit. Right. <laughs> the first time, and but keep this in mind, when I, the first time I smoked crack, I was 16. So yeah. uh, I was just, like, a, a sophomore in high school, like, what, crack? That's for losers, you know? But, so I smoked some crack, and... I instantly saw like how it's so addicting because all I wanted to do is smoke more crack. And I thought I was going to be permanently stuck as a crackhead, but I woke up the next day and like that, you know, that feeling was gone. I was like, thank God I dodged that bullet. And I went right back for some more, you know? Right. Um, so when I quickly got over smoking crack, I'm like, I might as well just throw my wallet off a bridge as soon as I take a hit of crack. Like it's all crack money. Uh, so I just see a million memes flooding into your brain as you say all this stuff, by the way. <laughs> I, I can tell the memes are just coming to you, right? Are they just constantly playing in your head? Man, I was just talking, you know, there's another really good meme page called Bill Wilson, though. And uh, Bill Wilson what? Bill Wilson, though. Okay. Like T-H-O. Right. Those guys are hilarious. And uh, I talk to them all the time. And, uh... The guy's like, yeah, I went through a slump with memes, and we just had this conversation. Like, there's like this meme sweet spot, you know, <laughs> where like it's not like I'm super, you know, manic or I'm like depressed or something, and I make better memes. It's like there's just like this perfect, you know, sweet spot where the I, I'm in it right now. I've been like making tons of memes lately. Um, I love the methadone meme with the skeleton. That one really <laughs> spoke to me. Yeah, but uh, so let's let's get to the end of the story with me. You know, I I I went through all the drugs, stayed smoking weed the whole time, and then I thought I found the holy grail, which was oxy, and I did what a lot of people did with oxy. I graduated to heroin, and then eventually started shooting it, and then from there, man, I I I went to being uh, homeless. No friends, no family, completely isolated, begging for a bed in a state-funded treatment center. And when I went in there, I just, I, I put my hands up, I surrendered, 
uh, and I, I got a sponsor and you know, when you're in treatment, they tell you the same shit every time, you know, work the steps, get a sponsor, go to meetings. And I, I had no faith that I would stay sober. And I, I thought, okay, when I relapse and come back here, I'm going to be able to say that I went to all the meetings. I worked all the steps. I called my sponsor every day and this shit doesn't work. Now what? And, uh, I think yeah. a lot of people have that that fear or that hope, that hope that it won't work for them. And and a lot of people don't get clean. You know what I mean? Like, was it the first time you went to treatment that it actually stuck? No, the first time I went to treatment, all I heard was keep coming back. It works. And I would go to like meetings all the time and use afterward. And I would think, well, at some point this has to just kick in, you know? Right. And uh, it never did. So I went back to treatment and. It's like, no, you have to actually do work. You can't just sit around in meetings and expect to get what people that have worked the 12 steps have just through showing up at meetings. So Yeah, I was in that phase too. Like I, I, I couldn't imagine working the 12 steps. I couldn't imagine working any steps. I was just like, well, why, why don't you want to do drugs? And, and I would even say, I remember I would go to meetings and I would share, I don't work the steps or anything, but this isn't working. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, and, and like you can find people like that everywhere. I mean, I, I, I hear I don't know anything in terms of like trends in, in 12 step groups. But from what I understood, there were many years where people actually weren't into working the steps somehow. Like it wasn't like a big thing. Like everywhere I go, there's tons of, of book studies and, you know, step meetings and all of these things. But from what I heard years ago, there weren't as many. Is, is that possible? Yeah. I don't know, man. That sounds weird to me, but I do know it exists. I've heard people like that, too. I'm lucky I got with people that took me through the book and through the steps, you know? Yeah, it was a fucking miracle when uh, I just wasn't ready to listen to it for so long. And when, and when, and when I finally really needed to listen to it, it spoke to me and uh, it, it gave me my life. On this episode, before you called in, uh, my basically my wife, my partner, was on the show and, and we're just recounting, like, because we had, you know, went to hell. And we're just recounting the way, basically, the 12 steps and recovery gave us a family. You know, so it's just, like, it's very miraculous. And to talk to anybody who's been through it and have their life be saved, it's just, like, it sounds so culty and ridiculous, but it's real. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it is. And it's there's so many times when I'm talking to guys in a detox, I'm like, dude, you hear this same shit so repetitive it sounds so stupid it there's you look at it and you're like there's no fucking way this works and you have no idea if it does or not until you actually sit down and do it and like for me to not be a junkie with nothing because i had dude my first day sober march 12th 2012 like i really take a lot of pride in that day but to be honest, that was one of the worst days of my life. I woke up in a detox bed at a state-funded treatment center puking. I left group that day to find out or to take a blood test just to get out of group and found out I had hepatitis C. Right. You know, like completely just the worst day you could imagine. Uh, nowhere to go after treatment. And uh, I did this work and like, man, I, and I'm in the same boat, like, uh, tomorrow's my first sponsor's wedding dress rehearsal. He asked me to be his best man. I have 
three beautiful kids, uh, a beautiful fiance, amazing job, and every single good thing in my life plugs directly into my recovery. Like everything. It's almost and, it's almost annoying, but it's so amazing. You know what I mean? It's annoying that like I hate I never I mean especially as a, as a drug addict I never imagined saying I owe it all to this. Like it was so antithetical to the way I spoke or the way I thought. And now that it's yeah. real, it's just it's crazy. It's just something yeah. that I could never have imagined. Yeah, and I I would do I went back to work at the same treatment center I went to and uh, became a counselor there. And I would tell guys, you know, how great my life is because of AA. And a lot of them would be like, you know, I have hope. But one guy was like, Tim, I fucking hate your guts. Fuck you and your good life. (laughs) Right, right. And I'm like, God, I feel like I need to explain. Like, I'm not saying that to rub it in. I'm saying that as as a testament to how good how much it doesn't matter how bad it got it can still get good right no right um yeah i love that and and i I also really appreciate you uh because we were going to do this next week we were going to do this yesterday tim does have this big dress rehearsal he's you know and um it's so cool that you that you decided to come that you could come through tonight like i really appreciate it and um i want to hear about these are the things i want to hear about I want to hear a fucked up dopey story, you know, a crazy drug story, because that's basically our bread and butter. Um, I want to hear meme making, and I want to hear if any other meme site could possibly be as dank recovery memes. What do you want to go? What do you want to go to first? Uh, so three doors, Jesus. three doors, Moose. Which door? You want to do the dopey story? You want to do meme making, or do you want to do how every other meme site is inferior to dank recovery memes? Um, well, that's a given, you know. Uh, now, I wouldn't. I don't want to talk shit on any of the other recovery sites, but I will say this, man. Like since we started doing this, a lot of similar kind of pages popped up, and uh, it's kind of been awesome to see, you know, that kind of evolve. Uh, well, I don't mind saying that Dopey is the best drugs, addiction, and dumb shit podcast out there. I feel very comfortable saying that. Yeah, well, I've become friends with a lot of the people who run the other pages. Dude, I'm friends know? with all the other podcast guys. I can't help it. <laughs> I love those guys. But come on, it's Dopey. Well, yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, a lot of those guys are good guys, man. And, uh, and through doing this... Like, on Facebook, our page is much bigger than Instagram. You know, on Facebook, we have 640,000-plus followers. Right. And we created a group called Dank Recovery Community on Facebook. Well, and Well, the bigger group now is just Dank Recovery Memes, the group, as opposed to the page. And, like, man, there's just a ton of people making Dank Recovery Memes right now. I love now. that. And I, I really do want to give a shout-out. Like, I think this is really important. Uh, it's not just me on Dank Recovery Memes. I created the page, uh, but we have other people on there. We got Isaac, Jake, Jenny, and Noah, and they are all hilarious. Uh, like, custom. it was like the uh, the recovery meme fantasy draft, you know? Right. Getting these guys on the team. So I do think that, yeah, we have the best meme page 
fuck all you other pages. There you go. That's what I wanted come, to hear. Yeah, come Just, fight me. Yeah, come, come on. Come find me in St. Louis. Yeah, what are you going to fucking do? Yeah, I mean, don't come out here and do our drugs. They'll kill you, you know. So what makes what makes a really good meme? Like, because I know, like, I know when I see a really good, you know, it's weird. Like, I, I, like, constantly troll your page, and I'm just looking for a perfect meme. And for me, you know what I hate in a meme, by the way? What I hate in a meme is I don't like the word plug. Like, when they call a dealer a plug, I, I don't understand it. When did that happen? When did dealers become plugs, and what does it mean? Dude, I don't know, and... I mean, they get you plugged into the dope, you know? But did you ever say that, I'm waiting for the plug? No, never. Who says that? Apparently, it's like, I guess it's regional, man, because there's a lot of shit. Like, did, were you an IV drug user? Yes. Okay, so what did you, did you call it a wash, a rinse? Like, what was it for you? Do what? you know what I'm talking about? Wait, no, I would, I would, no, I would just call it, like, the, the, the dope? I would, no, like when you have some left over in the spoon and you try to like, you know, get the last little bit out of there after you are. I didn't used. call it. I didn't have a, I didn't have a name for it. I would just call it the rest of it or the dregs <laughs> or whatever. I, I just I, I, I would eat it. I would, I would I would I would I would draw it up over and over and over until like I couldn't get anything else out of it. And then I would eat it. That's what I would do. OK, well, so there's just different. There's different terms and they just are constantly evolving. It's like crazy. I hate the term plug. Like there are so many memes I see that I love and just the fact that they put plug into it, I don't use it. I mean, I, I choose not to steal that meme. Like, yeah. like, like I love all those Tupac and Kurt Cobain ones, except when they call Tupac the plug. Like, I don't want to call him the plug. I want to call him like the dealer or the connect. Can you start using the word connect or dealer more than plug? It would really help me I out. I personally never use plug. If it says plug, it's not my meme. Okay, good. And like, man, I so many people send memes to Dank Recovery memes, and I'm like, some of them are really good, and I've just I gotten to the point where I'm like, uh, that dude on American Assignment on American Idol. How he just like would roast people. I'm kind of like that with memes. Like this is terrible. The fucking aesthetics are off. You know this is trash. Here's what you need to do. Oh, dude. I no, that... I have no problem tearing people's memes. If you're gonna send a meme to me, I'm I'll. But I actually spend a lot of time. Like here's the apps you need to download. Here's some things you need to think about. All right. Know? Well, why don't you give a, give a crash course to the Dopey Nation? If somebody wants to make a meme, what do you just give a, a what do you have to do? Like, what apps are the best? Like, give some pointers here. What, what would you do? Okay. Like, First off, you need to be actually funny. Right. So if no one, like, goes out of their way to tell you that you're funny, you should just give up now. Uh, <laughs> that's like my – there's so many times I'm like, come on, you are not funny. Stop making memes. Whoever likes your memes, <laughs> they need to stop encouraging you. Right. Uh, and then – but, like, it's, in terms of app, I, I, I don't want to get too boring, but I'll tell you what. One of the like, if someone is just clueless on how to make memes, here's the absolute easiest way: post a picture to Twitter, caption the top, like put a caption, click, you know, uh, click post, you know, post the picture with the caption you want, then click on it and screenshot it, and there's your meme. 
that's like 90% of the memes you see are just pictures someone posted on Twitter with a caption. Okay. So you, how do you put the words on the picture on Twitter, though? You could do that? That's how it works? Yeah, so like, so like you share – if you go on Twitter, you'll see it all the time. People put like – it's just like on Facebook if you posted a picture and put a caption with it. Okay. And then you just take a screenshot of it. I don't yeah. think people will get people. I don't think people will get bored of it because it's like, I mean, I think that there's a shitload of actually more people listen to Dopey than follow us on any social media. But the people who follow us on social media are just like all over your page. They're all over a ton of these meme pages. So I think it interests them. And I think like people in recovery, just like it's like it keeps us going. The memes, like, and, and I laugh at the stupidest fucking shit. Like when it's a really funny meme. Like I was on the train, and like, and sometimes something's just funny to me that isn't funny to somebody else. It was recently I, I looked at your page, and you had the dude with like the balding hair, and it was like something about getting a methadone haircut, and you like said something about fam in it. You were like. I don't remember exactly the term. You were like, if this is your thing, fam, go for it. And I'm just sitting on the train next to, like, some young girl looking at this balding Methodonian laughing my ass off. And I was like, and then she looked at me, and she sees me looking at the guy. You know the, the meme I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I made that one. What was, what is it? Please give me the phrasing right. So it's, uh... A guy walks into the barber and he's like, what you want, fam? And he's like, I want to look like I've been on methadone for the past 26 years. And he's like, say no more, fam. Say no more, fam. (laughs) And I just died laughing because I always hate the fucking fam. Like, I don't know how anybody can say fam. But then when you read it there, it's like, oh, man, it's so funny to me. I I love stuff like that. That's a very ironic use. A fam. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what in in your me making days? What is your favorite meme that you can recall making? Oh, man. How many memes have you made? Thousands of memes? I wouldn't say thousands. And this is what's cool about having other editors because, like, there's some there, – I'll go maybe a couple weeks where I won't even make any memes. But we have enough content just flowing through where I don't have to do that. Um, but if I had to pick a favorite meme, God, there's a – uh, it's hard. I made one that's like the Suboxin facts. It's like supplement facts of Suboxin uh, <clears throat> that I thought was pretty hilarious. Here, hold on for and one second. I'm all of a sudden nervous about the sound. Hold on. You sound great. Keep going. Okay. <clears throat> but it's... Uh, Moose Moose was very, very... Uh, he was asking me how I record a phone call. And I was like, oh, I just hold the phone up to the mic. <laughs> and he's like, is that really the best way to do it? Um, and definitely it isn't, but somehow it, it works okay, which I think is funny. But back yeah. to the Suboxone meme, please. Yeah, it's basically just the supplement facts of Suboxone, and some of the things that it lists being in a Suboxone are, uh, like, offended by recovery groups, I don't have a sponsor as an ingredient in Suboxone, Dirty Jordans, low <laughs> credit score. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a cigarette. Yeah, I love all those AA versus NA memes. And I think it's it's interesting, the, the what do you call it, the blowback or the, what do you call it, the kind of backlash against Suboxone in meme form. I think the Suboxone community might be the most, the Suboxone and Methadone 
communities might be the most victim victimized by recovery memes, don't you think? Yeah, and you know what, man? A lot of that's like the art of trolling. You know, it's just stirring up shit. And honestly, I don't believe in... I, I guess I believe in censoring myself to a degree, but uh, in terms of... Like, if I think it's funny, I'm going to post it. And, like, I'll be honest, I have really close friends on long-term Suboxone. I have really close friends in NA. I have... Everything I've made a meme about, I have really good friends that that's their experience. And so every so often I make sure to clarify, like, listen, I don't hate you. This is it's all out of love. It's all in good fun. It's just imagine one of your friends just talking shit to you and you would brush it off the same way. It's funny, though, because I even posted a really long letter recently on Instagram just to kind of clarify stuff because a lot of people were commenting like fuck these guys fucking 12 step Nazi motherfuckers and and I'm like uh, that's not me and I want you to know that I, if you're fighting to just have a better day I don't care what you're doing like I'm proud of you I got your back I support you these are just jokes I'm not meant to take the place of your therapist you know right but on the but flip people, side, on the flip side of that, though, how many people have contacted you and, and said how how helpful the memes have been? Oh my God! Every day, there's a message in the inbox, and I just I almost like want to make a collage out of them. You know, it's it's uh, it's crazy. And then other it's what the other crazy thing is like. Not only do people message me that I help them, people message me for help. And I guess the humor is just disarming where people are like, yeah, I want to I want to talk to you. You're the guy I want to talk to about this. Right. And I I had a guy from New York. I ended up talking to him the other day and he's like going through withdrawals and he's asking me advice. And I talked to the guy for a while, just giving him tips that I learned about overcoming withdrawals like cold turkey, because that's what he was doing. That's where he was. It's not an easy place to be. I, I always just recommend hot, hot showers and the Lord of the Rings and, and, and let and let that time pass. That's what I always tell people, you know, get, you know, I, I think pe- people don't like I think the shower is like the most underrated tool of withdrawal. It's like this amazing thing in your house that gives you heat and warmth and happiness. And it's like so good for withdrawal. Nobody talks about how amazing the shower is for withdrawal. Oh, man. Yeah. It is. And to come to think of it, I wish I had told him that. Um, It's like a spa. It's like a spa in your apartment. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And at one time when I was kicked, I've kicked dope so many times, like cold turkey on my own. And one time I had a family membership to the Y. And every morning, as soon as they opened, like at 5 a.m., I was there and I would just sit in the hot tub for hours. It was like... That was the only place where I wasn't withdrawing. Right. It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing thing. You know? Yeah. Um, so give me a dopey story. Give you a dopey story. So are we talking are we talking war stories here or just insanity of my addiction? It could be anything. Like dopey <laughs> stories are usually just the most stupid, funny terrible drug stories but they could also be like fun you know like war stories but just like ridiculous or they could also be like a crazy story in um 
in recovery. It could be anything. Just give me a funny story around oh. drugs or recovery. The, the Dopey Nation loves the crazy using stories, but I love all of them, frankly. So I will tell you the most requested story of mine. Uh, every time I get asked to speak, people are like, make sure you tell the kidney story. And right. so that's the one I'll go with. So, uh, man, hitting my bottom. Oh, my God. Just constant insane thoughts all the time, you know. And so I came up with this idea that I would sell one of my kidneys on Craigslist. So I posted an ad on Craigslist, kidney for sale, $250,000. This was a real idea. It wasn't a joke. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they removed the post like instantly. And so I was like, what the fuck? You know, why did they take my post down? So I did a little research and found out it's illegal to sell your kidney on the internet. So I made another post, kidney for donation, if you donate me $250,000. And they removed that post. So I went and did a little more research. It's like selling drugs. It's like diesel yeah. or something. And yeah. Like, yeah. And, like, it turns out you can't even look like you're attempting to sell your kidney. And like I told this story at a meeting and a guy came up to me and he's like, yeah, I actually donated one of my kidneys. And they like were very seriously questioning me to make sure I wasn't coerced into giving up my kidney. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, So and like keep in mind, I fully thought like, you know, maybe it will be like Russian mafia guys that show up to get my kidney. And they'll just harvest all my organs and leave me in a bathtub full of ice somewhere. Right, right, right. And, like, I, I swear to God, my brain referenced, uh, like, maybe one of the only things I remember from fifth grade, which was, like, this junior entrepreneur class. Uh, and this guy said, uh, sometimes you have to take risks to make money. And I thought, well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this, is, this is that. That's I funny. might have to have all my organs harvested to sell my kidney. You know, it's a risk I'm willing to take. I'm willing to take that risk to, to be set yeah. for a little while. So, um, so, but, you know, I wasn't having any luck on Craigslist. So uh, I posted it on Facebook and all my friends were like, haha, Tim, you're so funny. And I'm like, I played it off like I was joking. But right. in my mind, you know, I'm like. No, I'm really serious. I'm really hoping that someone who's rich, like, sees this post and, like, shares it. Uh, And it's funny because it still pops up in my timeline, you know, like, on the year when I posted it. Like, it'll still pop up and I laugh about it. I'll tag some people in it. Now it's like like a meme. Now it's like, like, it's it's a memory meme. But at the time, you were looking to get money for the kidney. Nobody ever hit you up to buy the kidney, though. Right. So uh, then I finally found a website called sellyourkidney.net. There we go. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, in this website, you had to enter all your personal information, social security number, address, date of birth. And I'm like, fuck it. You know, it, you'll be they'll probably arrest you if you try to steal my identity. You know, it's just so, such a horrible identity to steal, whatever. So I enter in all this information and I click submit and a banner pops up and it says, you dumbass, you can't sell your kidney on the internet. Oh my God. And I thought, man, who the fuck makes a website like this? You know, not thinking who's trying to actually sell their kidney on the internet. Yeah, uh, it's like, it's like a practical joke for the most depraved person <laughs> in the world. It's like, maybe we're going to get the most desperate person. And then the joke is going to be, you're an idiot trying to sell your kidney. It's, 
that's I mean there's so many memes I think for this yeah yeah and then uh yeah so that was always my uh hustle was trying to post shady things on Craigslist I posted an ad to prostitute myself on Craigslist and uh no one responded to it I think that was part of my bottom uh was it was it jokes was it half jokes or did you no, I, like I'm legitimately trying to sell one of my kidneys. I'm like, this is the only valuable thing I have, and I have two of them. So you can sell. I, might be, yeah. sell. I can get by with one, so I'm gonna try to sell this. And I was like, man, maybe there's some like old lady out there who you know wants a wants a guy, you know. And uh, I put you know I put an ad for myself to be a prostitute, and I charged sixty dollars. Someone said that was my mistake. I went too low. But I guess low self-worth, you know. People don't want a, a really cheap, cheap prostitute. Although, yeah. you're lucky that nobody wanted to, like, use you badly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but that's just kind of the insanity of, of where I was at, man. Like, that's where my brain was. I'm sitting there. And, like, it's a story I laugh about now. But at the time, you know, it was extremely depressing. Like, I was probably crying half the time when I was making these posts. Right. It was one of those things where it was so far out, you would tell some anybody who, who looked at you would be like, what, it was a joke, but you knew deep down it was real kind of thing, which is like the most depraved place for humor. You know, those jokes are so funny because they're kind of true at the bottom of them. That's what makes a funny fucking joke, that you know a piece of it is kind of true. You know, like the Methodonians do wear those old 80s, NBA uh, windbreakers and stuff. Yeah, the starter jackets. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, and the other thing Tim told me, or Moose told me on the phone, was that sooner or later, a dank recovery uh, memes community podcast is going to come out. So I wanted to invite you to the world of uh, recovery and drug addiction podcasts. And, uh, and you'll always be a friend of Dopey's if you ever need anything. Yeah, thanks, man. That should be happening in the next. Uh, I would say if it if it took longer than a month, I'd be disappointed. All right, so everyone should be look on the lookout for that. If you ever have any extra time in the meme making department and you could come up with a good dopey meme, I would love you for that. That would be amazing would for us. My absolute best. I would love that so much, and uh, and thank you so much for coming in. And thank you for your memes. And, uh, and Dopey Nation, I think a ton of you follow him, but check it out at Dank Recovery Memes. And on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And you have some famous people following you, too. Like, I saw the Lena Dunham meme, and she's, like, writing in. Didn't, what Were you, like, bugged out? Did you feel proud? I did. And, you know, any time that someone famous is following, the, like, I freak out, and I'm instantly their fan. Like, right off the jump, you know? Yeah, uh, nobody, nobody, nobody famous yeah. follows Dopey. Nobody, <laughs> even even like the famous people that have been on Dopey don't follow it. They just don't. Yeah, we got Jenna Jameson. I like lost my shit when she started following the page, and then like then I had to scroll through all my followers to see what famous people are following the page. And uh, there's that new MTV show coming out, Too Stupid to Die. Which I think looks hilarious, and uh, Zachass on there. He's he's following the page. I'm like, dude, you are like so. You're like the funniest guy ever. He's like, thanks. I love your page. Nice. So then Who I else? Have to go to other admins. Who else follows it? 
two, uh, Scout Willis. Right. So Bruce Willis's daughter uh-huh. and uh, his other daughter, Tallulah. Awesome. And I, I was told all three of his daughters liked the page. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, yeah. Well, we like the page, and thank you so much for calling in, and let's totally fucking be in touch. Absolutely, man. Anytime. It's a pleasure. All right, man. Bringing me on. All right, we'll, we'll talk soon, man. Uh, be in touch and give me a fucking dopey meme. I will do my best. Well, yeah, that's fair. If you can come up with something. Or just if you have something hot off the presses and you want, like, I'm sure you don't want us to take it before you use it. And I should, and I should give you your credit more often. So I'm going to make, like, I'm going to make an effort to always give you your credit. Now that you're a friend of the show and everything. Thank you. You know what? A lot of pages would steal our memes and, like, they would blow up. And pages with, like, millions of followers. And I would think, gee, just tag us. Like, this is my original content. And so knowing that, I'm like, anytime I take someone else's stuff, I make sure I tag them in the meme. Just to give them, you know, the respect that, you know, you deserve to honor your creativity, you know? I'm going to try to come up with a meme. And, and, and you could steal it from me. And you could take the credit. But I'm going to try to come up with one one day. I'm funny. I could come up with a fucking meme. My, my wife told a story that my daughter, uh, she doesn't know that I'm an addict. She's eight. But she knows that I have a problem with sweets. So she hides the Malamars in her little treasure chest. Okay? <laughs> and I think there's a meme there somehow. You know, there is a meme in hiding cookies from the dope fiend in, a, in recovery person. I think there's something there. I don't know. Maybe I'm not a meme guy. But I think there could be something there. Yeah, that's the other problem I get is everyone thinks that something's a meme and they send, hey, make this a meme, and they tell me some random obscure idea. So uh, maybe there is a meme there, but I'm not. (laughs) You're not finding my Malamar meme? I understand. I understand. But thank you, Tim, and have a great night and, uh, and be in touch. Thank you, sir. You too. All right, bud. Later on. All right, yep. That was Tim, or Moose, as he likes to be called, from Dank Recovery Memes. And I think the real beautiful thing, besides his memes are fucking great, is like that we're starting, I mean, I guess there's always been a recovery community. I'm just happy that we're a part of it, and we're making all these friends, you know, from these other podcasts, from Omar to fucking Addictionary, Church and Other Drugs, the Nod Squad, Amy Dresner, whatever it is, it's cool to have friends in recovery that are like trying to make a difference and trying to make people's time a little bit easier. Even that sober guy, what the fuck? He's helping people. Uh, I said Omar, I said Church and Other Drugs, I said a dictionary. I'm sure there's people I'm not thinking of. All the Dopey Nation people, you know, looking at that thing, it's, it's incredibly inspiring to me. You guys are doing so much for each other. Um, so proud to be a part of that. Fucking Andrew and Paulina and Catherine and the rest of y'all. Um, I want to play this voicemail and I want to play this song and be done with another episode of Dopey. The voicemail is from Dopey Nation mainstay Maria. It's very inspiring. And the song, um, there's been a lot of requests on the Dopey Nation and here and there to hear a quote-unquote clean version of forever in debt now that weird good so bad version from probably 2004 
This Forever in Debt is from the same session. I recorded it with my friend Brad, who I probably stole uh, the whole concept of Dopey from. And Brad's dad just died. And I love Brad. He's one of my best friends. He's an amazing collaborator and friend. And uh, we just want to send him love and thoughts and prayers and vibes. And we're going to play this clean version of Forever in Debt uh, in your honor and your dad's honor and because of all the requests. Now, it's not my favorite version. I want to re-record Forever in Debt uh, to a way that I want it to be. But until then, uh, here's Maria and here's Forever in Debt and stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Uh, We will never uh, not miss you uh, and uh, we love you. And stay strong and toodles. Hey, what's up, Dave? What's up, Dopey Nation? This is Maria, and uh, today is October 17th, and I have seven years clean. And I just wanted to call and give a little hope to anybody that thinks that they can't do it. Because um, as lame as it sounds, if I can do it, I know that you can too. So stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles. Don't.